So we're gathered on the auspicious uh, day of the to commemorate the disappearance of Prabhupada. And it's a, a festive day of sorts around the world, and that largely owing to his um, extraordinary campaign of dissemination of the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu around the, 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 the globe, the globe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, days like this, um, of course, it's common in uh, all cultures to honor the um, day of the appearance of just about anybody that you know, and uh, certainly famous people um, as well. I imagine that George Washington Day is the day of his birthday, or there's a President's Day holiday on that day, for example. So it's a, it's not something that is uh, um, relative, obviously, only to our our culture, and. Um, at the same time, today we're honoring the day of the disappearance, which is kind of uncommon. And the term disappearance is can perhaps be confusing as well. Um, shortly after the Tirobhav, which can be translated as disappearance of Prabhupada, within a, a few hours or so or a day, the city that I was in at the time was St. Louis, Missouri, and one of the devotees in our community contacted the press and informed them that the founder of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, had disappeared from the world. <laughs> and they said, where did he go? <laughs> Which is kind of the point uh, <laughs> that uh, that he didn't evaporate and disappear, you know, altogether. But he went somewhere, and uh, so the the term uh, disappearance, the translation of Tirubhav, is employed or invoked um, to. Uh, say or imply what, uh, for example, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has said in one of his poems, Vaishnavas, um, he reasons ill who thinks, he reasons ill who thinks that Vaishnavas die while living still in sound. Vaishnavas die to live and living try to spread the holy name around. So, um, he reasons ill who thinks that Vaishnavas die, that's the end, and that's the case with everybody, for that matter. We reason ill if we think that he's dead, he's gone, that's it. But there's a difference here, hmm? in that the uh, ordinary person um, dies, and even the uh, the practicing a devotee dies or passes 
from this world, and although they continue on, if you will, they are uh, transported from that physical demise, biological demise, in a psychological, um, uh, subtle body hmm, that, in the case of ordinary persons, has not been affected by the drops of water, uh, the dripping constant effect of bhakti in the form of uh, sadhana and uh, and which is derived through uh, uh, association that it gradually gradually transforms the antakarana or the subtle body and spiritualizes it <clears throat> the practitioner has some influence on their subtle body and they take that with them into the next um, physical body, re reincarnation, if you will. But the the Vaishnava that Bhakti Vinod is referring to and the type of Vaishnava whom we're celebrating, whose disappearance, Dhirubhava, we're celebrating today, Srila Prabhupada's, is, this is the case of a perfected uh, devotee <clears throat> whose um, antakarana has been perfected, spiritualized, and the effect is also showing up Therefore, even on in his physical body, practitioner's body, it's being moved and driven not by the Maya Shakti um, and the force of karma, but by Krishna's internal energy, Sarup Shakti. Hmm. Um, and that transformed onto karma may show up in different ways in the uh, in the uh, physical practitioner's body of the perfected devotee but that the point is that the uh, even the uh, the body then of the perfected devotee is uh, rather than cremated uh, entombed and it, that uh, place that's called a samadhi becomes a place of, uh, of worship and the implication is that that devotee in passing if you will from mortal uh, vision can nonetheless be contacted, hmm? drawn upon, hmm? um, and um, this is uh, through appeals that are largely made uh, to, or with reference to, the perfected sadhaka-deha of the devotee. For example, we go to the samadhi tomb of Rupa Goswami, and we pray to Rupa Goswami to be to bless us, to be merciful, merciful, merciful upon us, and and so forth. So there is some sense in which the perfected practitioner's body, aside from his or her internal body for participating in Krishna lila, for example, in Rupa Goswami's case as as Rupa Manjari, is an eternally existing reality that. Um, uh, uh, can be uh, uh, appealed to, hmm? um, whose blessings are available to to us and worth uh, worth pursuing. Uh, such persons, as in the case of Rupa Goswami, or in the case of Prabhupada, who's here above, we're celebrating, are referred to as purva acharyas. Previous acharyas. Previously, they were here teaching uh, 
by their example. Their example still is something that we uh, draw uh, instruction and inspiration from as much as we can recall it accurately. Hmm? Um, uh, but the ongoing, if you will, uh, instruction by example has come to an end with the departure from mortal vision. Um, so a purva acharya, a previous acharya. So point being here, it's a subtle point, but we can we can draw inspiration and uh, guidance even with very um, special and heartfelt and sincere and spiritually advanced, uh, if you will, aspiration hmm, from a purvacharya. Hmm. But uh, it, the purvacharya, who's now passed on, uh, does not take the place of the present acharya or do away with the need, if you will, for a present acharya who continues to teach practically by example, this is called Guru Parampara. So he leaves, but um, he sends back the boat. Hmm. Hmm. Some uh, somebody else gets in it and rows it, and is trying to take us, you know, to to the other side, something like that. Um, so it's very interesting. The present acharya is a manifestation, in many respects, of the previous acharya. Also, these are not disconnected uh, by any means um, entirely, hmm? although there may be an appearance of disconnection and obviously different uh, sense of individuality and and looks and, and, uh, and, and so forth, and even emphasis on the teaching, which would be, according to time and circumstance, which change and which thus require an ongoing um, succession. So... It's very true that when we are initiated into a lineage, it is exactly what we're initiated into, a lineage. And that means that, it, that it, it's a line that has um, uh, um, no beginning in the sense that it begins with Krishna, who has no beginning, hmm? and it has uh, no end. Hmm? And so... Somewhere in the midst of this, we make our entry point and we gain access to all of the past and the four vicharities. And, and then there's the present and, and, and future and so forth. So, so having one guru in the real sense of the term means having many gurus. Having many gurus, but not one guru, means having no gurus, really. Um, so... At any rate, we uh, honor the disappearance, which is a unique idea. I, I don't think in the same way it's customary everywhere to celebrate uh, um, the disappearance. Here we sang a song of other people in the world. Hmm? Easter. Easter. Well, that's a saint. That's Jesus. He disappeared. He did a great thing. So, the spiritual, That's a spiritual group. So from a material point of view, everyone celebrates the birthdays, but... We don't celebrate the funerals, if you will. Um, but the, 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 of course, the passing is just uh, a changing of position, right? Hmm. And that for the purpose of drawing us on uh, that much uh, more on a different stage of the teaching. Hmm. 
and see if we can keep up with it. Just like we're hearing about Brahma, he's developing along and at different stages the teaching's coming and he's got to think, he's got to keep up with it and understand. I thought it was like this. Oh, I see it's like this. I wanted to be your friend, but I didn't know it was going to be like this. Goodness, I have to give up all the Vedic rules and eat with my left hand and <laughs> and all these uh, goodness. I don't know if, I, if I'm ready for such a radical uh, change. So, um, so I'm with the disappearance, then the ongoing succession, this all has to be understood. We have to find substantially and essentially our our Gurudev. Uh, for this case, the, for example, the immediate disciples of prophets, some of whom are assembled here, in a dynamic sense and this way substantially um, uh, and uh, in a philosophically correct way find him, hmm? then we can draw the most um, benefit. So the disappearance is part of the teaching to the disciples. It's another another stage. It's a big it's a big lesson. Hmm? You gotta be a little grown up to digest it and to uh, to uh, uh, benefit uh, from it. It may take some time hmm, to swallow. We sang a song here. One of the songs we sang was a song by Nartam Thakur about the disappearance of the number of associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu whom he did not get to, uh, who he was, in his own words, beating his head against the, the stone and the feelings of separation uh, from them. And this kind of separation makes the heart uh, grow fonder. And uh, his song emphasizes the the, the importance of, of of such uh, sangha and how if we really are connected, if you will, with the, with our Guru Dave at the time of his disappearance, how much susceptible we will be, and how amenable we will be to finding him in some tangible uh, form, if you will, to continue the teachings. We may find him as a purvachari and become a teacher. That's also possible, but that's probably not the case for everybody. So, again, the point of purvachari can help us, and he's there, because sometimes prophets say, people say, Prabhupada never left. You know, He's still here as far as I'm concerned. Well, you might want to look and see if you're conducting yourself now like you were when he was here then, and if there's any difference there, then he might be more disappeared from you than you're ready to acknowledge, and that's a pity, because then you're not able to really uh, say that and understand it properly. And we can say it, but we therefore we make this distinction, the poor vacharya, present acharya, and so forth. So, at any rate, as in briefly, we, we celebrate the disappearance. It's a bittersweet a bit, if you will, but um, it uh, properly, philosophically understood, it's, um, it's um, an important uh, uh, time and aspect of the embodiment of the teachings that uh, the acharya uh, constitutes. So, at any rate, I, on, on this occasion, an occasion similar to this, the disappearance and appearance of the Acharya, it's, uh, it's uh, common to gather and, and discuss. And often in, in, um, in modern times, 
in relation to Prabhupada, it's it's customary in many places to um, um, even have a number of people speak, and also primarily about anecdotes from the lives life of Prabhupada. For example, they remember and and uh, and, the, and and about the person of Prabhupada. Um, I almost personally get the feeling, having um, attended some of those in the distant past, and and having recently, um, around the time of his appearance, viewed part of one of those celebrations commemorating his appearance, um, and hearing the anecdotes and so forth, I. I got the distinct feeling that if, if one was to go there and speak rather than about anecdotal remembrances, uh, but philosophically about the principle of Guru Tattva, it would not uh, be that well received. Now I might be wrong, but that was the distinct feeling I got. But but let me bring um, uh, to... Uh, before and to the memory of some of you, the example of uh, Srila Prabhupada himself, who, uh, at least on one occasion, um, in a famous one, where the uh, disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta, the guru of Prabhupada, gathered together on the day of his appearance to give lectures. Prabhupada was also invited to give a lecture and he didn't give really any anecdotes about Bhakti Siddhanta, but rather he spoke about the principle of Guru Tattva, beginning with Acharjamam Bijaniyam Navamanyeta Karichit Bhagavatam. Guru Krishna says, I am the Acharya. He said something like, the Acharya is not, what did he say? Hmm? Not a singular not a sectarian principle, but the acharya of me and you and everyone. He spoke about the universality of the principle of Guru Tattva appearing in different forms at different times, but about the oneness, um, the underlying um, spirituality and the current of Krishna that runs through the Vaishnava that puts him or her in a position to serve in that capacity is what he talked about without a, you know, Really, a word about the, uh, the uh, or an anecdote about the person of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and for that matter, um, he was rather tight-lipped about that in general amongst uh, uh, us. Hmm? Uh, uh, very, very seldom, if at all, probably talk about anecdotes from the life of uh, Bhakti Siddhanta. Hmm? couple things that Saraswati Thakur said to him here and there. If you ever get money, print books. I mean, you can think of a couple of them. Hmm. Um, uh, and there's you know, a couple of reasons for that. One is that he wasn't personally involved a lot with the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta being a householder and not being in the the, uh, the Mahath it, itself and all the inter-dealings with, uh, that went on with the uh, with the mission, and, and, and but also um, because I think uh, he wanted to emphasize this side 
um, of the uh, equation, really the the ground, if you will, out of this 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 guru tattva surfaces out of. So it's very uh, it's very important, and 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 of course it's clear uh, today that it's been very much uh, misunderstood and a, a rather an elusive uh, uh, topic. Hmm? Without it, without that understanding, it's easy then for the uh, conversation and the course to turn into uh, some type of a personality cult and a and of and religious uh, a display of religious uh, fanaticism. Hmm. So uh, important to have some kind of a, a balance in all of that, and if anything, to err on the side of emphasis on the principle of Gurtapa. I mean, there are now literally dozens of books of anecdotes um, about uh, about Prabhupada, and they're, they're probably pretty good sellers. Um, I had a mind, still do somewhere in me there, to write a book about Prabhupada too, which would be a little different, and it would have some anecdotes too, but, but it would... Um, emphasize this uh, Guru Tattva, which we see since his disappearance, which is what we're commemorating, has been an aspect, uh, important aspect of himself that has been very much misunderstood. And, and again, I'm paraphrasing Shudamarsh to say it's an elusive topic as uh, Guru uh, Tattva. So I, I'll say a few words about it um, and uh, let me draw from uh, perhaps the uh, the uh, the um, well from the Chaitanya Charitamrita was a start where Krishna's Kabiraj um, speaks uh, briefly but um, um, powerfully about the principle of the Guru um, with emphasis on the fact that although the principle of the guru is appearing in many forms it is one in that krishna is the guru again the verse of bhakti of the prophet cited in the lecture i mentioned is one that krishna uh, das draws upon acharya mambijaniam krishna says to Uddhava, you should know that i am the acharya hmm. so this is a very extraordinary statement he says it in relation to the, the Kula Guru, the Varnashram Guru. Hmm. So how much more is that the case and in relation to the Sadguru? In other words, Vaish, Varnashram Guru is not particularly teaching about that which is Sat. As, I mean, he does quietly speak about Moksha, I guess, as I've said sometimes in the background, but primarily about Dharma, Artha, uh, and Karma. Hmm. The Satguru is one who talks only about that which is Sat, hmm? about uh, the, the self, and of course in Vaishnavism the, the, the prospect of the self's relationship with, with Bhagavan or, or the Supreme Self, the, the small self, and it's the Atma and the Paramatma, right? Hmm? This is the subject. So if Krishna says, I am the Kuru Guru, Kula Guru, how much more is he uh, the Satguru? Hmm? Point being, some we should pay attention there. Hmm. Krishna has come before us. Uh, I remember standing, as it, if I may, an antidote, <laughs> standing next to Prabhupada in Los Angeles uh, and uh, 
in the course of his lecture one morning, he said, so we should understand the Guru to be the incarnation of Krishna's mercy. And it just really stuck with me, like, I'm standing next to the incarnation of Krishna's uh, mercy. Hmm? Devotees in general are called Kripa Sindhu, Kripa Sindhu, and, and they're oceans of, of Kripa compassion. Jiva Goswami has described the devotees, I mean, mature devotees, uh, referring to really as um, the uh, Kripa Shakti, the, the power of Krishna's compassion manifest in the world. And um, this really kind of crystallizes in the form of the of the Vaishnava who manages to capture our our faith. The, the, the course, of course, begins with some contact with the Vaishnavas, knowingly or unknowingly, which gives in time birth to faith in what they teach and the desire to associate with them more systematically and learn from them, in the context of which some Vaishnava stands out in the way in which he or she teaches and uh, exemplifies the teaching, and we have to make a connection there. Pujapachita Maharaj used to say, the Guru gives Siksha teachings, and by the teachings he's captured by the prospective disciple who says, you have to give me Diksha. You've captured me, my heart, by your Siksha. Now you have to give me the Diksha. Hmm? So beware. Hmm. Uh, speaking about Krishna can get you in trouble. Hmm. Um, and Krishna Das does emphasize these two manifestations of uh, divinity, the Diksha Guru and the Siksha Guru. Oh, it's, as you see, it's kind of complicated. Guru is one, it's Krishna, but there's a Siksha Guru, there's a Diksha Guru. It appears in different forms. The Diksha Guru should be one. The Siksha Guru may be many. There's one, there's many. Um, so there's a principle. There's a way in which Krishna empowers the devotee to represent the teaching and it could be this devotee or that devotee. They have their own Vaishnav personality and sensibilities. Let me give an example that may help us to appreciate. Let us say we have, um, we're all a little bit familiar with the American um, political system. So in every uh, state we have a governor, hmm? right? And sometimes the governor of a state, uh, let's say, Jerry Brown of California uh, becomes elected as the president of the United States. Now the governor of California is the president of the United States and as the president, President Brown represents all the states equally, fairly. Hmm? Right? Hmm? But if you look closely at him, you know, he's got some California sensibilities about him, <laughs> personally. Hmm? He has to sometimes set them as a side and teach objectively. Hmm? So there's some tatastavichar, just like Rupa Goswami has his sentiment, as, a, as in Madhurya Rasa, that's uh, animating him. But in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he steps back from that, from a objective position to write about all the different Rasas, well, about that, you know, about Shantadasya Sakya and Vatsali to give a comprehensive teaching of the ocean of Bhakti Rasa. Hmm? So, 
the guru has his own or her own Vaishnav sensibilities and may take the position of the guru and uh, and in a similar way that a governor, for example, may take the position of the uh, the president. And uh, we saw in Prabhupada he has his own sensibilities, but he taught in different ways. Even if he would find people interested in Ram Bhakti, he would encourage them in Ram Bhakti, give them a deity of Sita and Ram and so forth. Uh, um, uh, we find it in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. He found some devotees of Ram and he encouraged them in their Ram Bhakti. Balabha, uh, the brother of Rupa Sanatan, for example, South Indian Brahmin. And, um, so, even though he had a particular thing that he was involved with, um, in a broader sense, he was involved with Krishna Bhakti. It has many flavors and so forth. Um, so, um, there, so it breaks down as all analogies do in one way or another, but just to help uh, understand the principle <clears throat> that the Guru as a Vaishnava has his or own sensibilities and has a position in, uh, as the Acharya to represent uh, the, the teaching uh, accurately, and, and it would be helpful to be in that position, to be acquainted with uh, the greater balance of of the teaching. Hmm? Um, and, and so, uh, this is uh, helps us to appreciate how the Guru is one, and at the same time, any number of governors could become the, could become the president. Hmm? And um, <clears throat> the Guru, again, we have another plurality where we have the Siksha Guru and the Diksha Guru. Um, Krishna Das identifies the the Diksha Guru with Sambandha Gyan, the Siksha Guru with Abhideya Gyan. Sambandha means establishing the relationship. He's singular. The singular Diksha Guru gives the mantra. The mantra corresponds with the form of the deity. It's a mantric representation of the form of Gopal Krishna, the Gopal Mantra, for example. So there he is in the form, in the form of the mantra. And this is the way in which we make a connection with the form through the transmission of the mantra from the heart of the guru to the heart of the of the disciple, and the form of Krishna is 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 is, uh, is one in this case. It's one Krishna and uh, Gopal Krishna, or if it's going to be Ram Bhakti, there'd be another mantra. And in our tradition, it's a Gopal Mantra, so Gopal Krishna. Um, I think Krishna God identifies him with the rupa, the the, the, the form of Krishna, the, the 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 mantra guru, diksha guru, the siksha guru with was with the swarupa of Krishna. You can make something out of this, or not. Bhakti Siddhanta made a little bit out of his use of uh, words, because swarupa and rupa could could be saying the same thing, or they can be speak differently. If we look at them as speaking differently. Sarup means form and Sarup means nature. So one form, but it has a number of different natures. Hmm. Um, so there can be a number of Siksha Gurus then um, speaking. And also the teaching, um, <clears throat> I want to say that the, the philosophy is one, but the application of the philosophy in Bhakti may be varied. Hmm and how to proceed in execution of bhakti, that's called abhideya. So in one sense, the philosophy is one, and the Diksha Guru presides over that, over the Sambandha. Um, 
and the Siksha Guru presides over the Abhideya, which is the application of the philosophy in Bhakti, which is uh, could be done in a number of ways. You could serve in different ways. There may be different sentiment. There are different sentiments that students could uh, develop. Um, uh, bhavas and so forth, which ornament this this variety, the singular you know, tree of Krishna Bhakti, so to speak, planted by the Diksha Guru and watered by the Siksha Guru. Another way um, to look at it. Uh, so this is, of course, for the disciples of Prabhupada and the grand disciples and so forth. Now, as it, it goes on, this idea of the Siksha Guru and the Diksha Guru. Uh, have become something more than a word in a book. Hmm? Um, because the Diksha Guru has departed and Siksha Gurus have appeared and it's in real time, so to speak. you got to catch up with it, so to speak, with, with Prabhupada's uh, disappearance and go back. And didn't, I think I heard something about Siksha Gurus. I think I read that. So It didn't apply, in other words, what I'm saying. When, when Prabhupada was here, he was our Diksha Guru, and he was our Siksha Guru too. But we could have a number of Siksha Gurus, and when would be, Sridhar Maharaj once said, and more appropriate time when a disciple would feel the need, this was his thinking, for a Siksha Guru then at the time of the disappearance of it would be the most he, he was like kind of surprised that someone would would think we don't need a siksha guru you know we have Prabhupada he's thinking yeah you have him he's the poor vichari he was here he's gone <laughs> don't you you're not feeling any loss you're not trying to make up for that loss and and take advantage of this principle if it's available the siksha guru the, the, the neediness in other words um, sometimes how poorly understood or how misunderstood this principle is, Diksha Guru, Siksha Guru, is evidenced by the fact that some of um, the disciples of Prabhupada feel that after his disappearance, if one of their god brothers or god sisters needs a Siksha Guru, I guess it's okay if you're that weak and that, that your faith is that weak. And you don't have a, much of a connection with with Prabhupada. Something like the reverse is actually the case. The strong faith and the yearning for that kind of connection with an advanced uh, Vaishnava that you've had and lost, if you know what it is, hmm? having lost it, then how much more is your desire to have it. This is what Krishna taught the gopis. I disappeared in the Rasa Leela for this reason, because having gotten something valuable, you don't know how valuable it is until you lose it. Hmm? And so in the loss, the apparent loss, there's such a need hmm, that it is such a... that if, if, if that need is actually not just a sentiment, but a spiritual need then it will give one the kind of antenna, if you will, to, to find that transcendental connection uh, substantially again. That, that's how you got it in the first place. How did Prabhupada's disciples you know, meet Prabhupada? They had some earnestness of pursuit, or how does anyone meet their guru? They earnestness and in, 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 in 
sincerity. They want to know the truth. They make prayers to whomever, whatever, and next thing you know, they're meeting devotees and finding their guru, and then they have to think, is this really my guru? And am I going to do this? And and, and you know, you have to you have to really exercise your heart, and uh, you don't really come with a checklist. Is he like this? Is she like that? <laughs> you come with a need in your heart, and then you can see things that. Otherwise, you cannot see. Otherwise, you come with a checklist, and you just you, you're you're going with your head, and not with your heart, so to speak. And you can always find. Well, I'm not sure if he ties his dhoti right exactly. <laughs> said in the said in the Mahaprabhu tried is like this. So I don't think I, you can find any number of reasons. Whoever it is, not not to follow. But if your heart is in the right place, and what is the right place? What is the strength of the heart and the faith? It manifests in the form of a neediness. Hmm? Shudamarsh used to like to say, if a young boy is hungry, it's a sign of good health. Therefore, hmm? Mother Yasoda is always looking in his mouth, always pinching him and saying, look at how skinny you are. Eat. Yeah. Read Gopanet Lilamrita. She's feeding him like it every minute of it. She gets it. She can, you know. <laughs> It's not a three meal a day affair there. Hmm. This is particularly, you know, an expression of the motherly uh, affection to prepare, offer the, 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 her son of the food and so forth. So, and he's eating. Hmm. So, the sign of good health is the hunger. It's not a. It's not a sign of weakness. The very principle, the very thing we're talking about, when someone says, "Well, you know." I guess you didn't have much faith in Prabhupada, therefore you, for example, in my case, needed Sridhar Maharaj as your Sikh Guru, you know. Hmm. Weak. Hmm. That's the very same thing that materialistic people say when they say, well, if you've if you got to have a Guru in your life, okay. If you're weak, or if you need God, all right, you know, you want to use it as a crutch psychologically, you might even say, yes, it's a good thing. People psychologically need to think that there is a God, and it helps them. So let's pretend there is. Of course, there's not, right? That's psychology, modern psychology. And, you know, we're, we, we really appreciate the religious traditions. Of course, they're not, not true, but there is really not a God, but it's just, it's just the product of the imagination, but we need it. So, so... Uh, of course, that's modern discourse and earlier discourse, and even some of the discourse today. The thought is, if you need a, a guru or a god, even you're weak. Hmm? You're not a strong individual who can walk his own path, hmm? determine his own path, and so forth. So the, the, it's interesting, isn't it? The, the same, <laughs> uh, what is it, sensibilities and so forth, are being then preached within Gaudiya Vaishnavism with regard to accepting a guru, in this case a Siksha guru, in the time of spiritual need, which is a sign of one's spiritual health, and it's being interpreted as being a sign of spiritual weakness. It's really a sign of not understanding the disappearance, hmm? the disappearance of the guru, the implications of that. Hmm? And, uh, and, and to recognize uh, the appearance of the principle in another, another form, you have to have some aptitude, some, some want, uh, some necessity, to do that. Right? Hmm? So, 
in my case, anyway, in our case, we have that had that good fortune to have met uh, Sridhar Maharaj. When I first heard what Sridhar Maharaj was saying, I felt like, here it is. This is what I've been looking for because I looked in senior God brothers for that, and I was I was disappointed there. I didn't find that he was represented there, and but I was looking. And it, it and 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 I remember uh, it's an anecdote about my life, but um, I recited before when when um, about a month before Prabhupada departed, I was with him in Vrindavan, and we had a twenty-four hour kirtan. So devotees were assigned different times. I was assigned a time from one a.m. to three a.m. I think it was. So I was the only one there chanting, and Prabhupada had a servant who was there at all times. I can't remember who it was at the time. But I was chanting with the paracartals, and Prabhupada was, was lying on the bed. And I was chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, which was a melody that Prabhupada chanted. Uh, probably m- more than any other one, and he wasn't inclined to Hare Krishna, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but he wasn't inclined towards musically um, embellishing you know, the, the kirtan. He didn't want that the kirtaneers would be ride, if you will, the waves, the weeds, the waves, uh, there's an arthas that come in the cult, in the context of culturing bhakti, just like weeds come when you try to grow a jasmine vine, hmm? um, and you have to pull out the weeds. So some things come as a result of bhakti, like fame or prestige may, may come, because you may be a good singer and have a good voice, and then you may ride the waves. Well, I've got a good voice, and I can play nice music. Not that ever, not that those who can do this necessarily or succumb to this, but it can happen. And so he was very much um, rather militant, really, about it, um, and restrictive with regard to the nature of the, the musical quality of the kirtan and also what would be sung in kirtan. He was a little, little strict in some respect. And this was the principle behind that he was concerned about. Obviously, those principles can be relaxed that as the culture grows, develops over time, and so forth. But these were new babies, you know, and uh, that he had, and he was uh, thought they were very susceptible to um, to distraction and so forth. Um, um, so he himself only had, a, you know, a couple of melodies that you can hear him recorded. It was one of them. So I was singing that, and I was thinking just that. I just want to be connected to the Guru Parampara. I thought, you're going to be departing. I want to be connected to the Guru Parampara. This melody has come from the Guru Parampara. I'll stick with that melody. So it was my simple way of thinking. That was really, I was praying like that. And then Prabhupada sat up and he asked his, or I was sitting at his feet, so he turned, his servant came and Prabhupada said, who's that chanting? Hmm? He said, oh, that's Trip Parmesan. Prabhupada looked at me and he nodded. And I thought, oh, here he's and then when I met Sridhar Maharaj, that I heard his talk, and that moment was flashed upon me. Hmm. Prabhupada had to give me the blessing to be connected with the Guru Parampara. So I, I felt it, 
and then it was uh, like Prabhupada gave me a, 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 the, brought the memory, and and, and so uh, I made the connection with him substantially in the person of Sridhar Marsh. I mean, we're talking about the disappearance, so I'm talking about Prabhupada in a dynamic and ongoing way, which everybody wants him to be ongoing, right? Everybody wants to be here now and so forth. And But there's some mystery to all that, how that happens, some some detail, how he can be absent and be present at the same time. It's different than when he's personally, personally present, uh, physically present, so to speak. There's a very... Um, um, poorly understood, as as I'm explaining in some respects, um, um, tattva, the guru tattva. Here we find examples, as I've given, of offending the, uh, uh, speaking almost atheistically against something that uh, is not well understood, the principle of the Siksha Guru, which, again, really became something like came to life. So here's the books, they're written, you know, and then you're reading them, and at different times the circumstance change, and your the measure of your progress, where you are in the path changes, and certainly this verse sticks out, and it's important how it's speaking to you, in a way that it wasn't before because it didn't pertain to your circumstance. And then you have to take it and understand it and digest it, and and so forth. So this this principle of the Sikhu Guru, it was not and it's still not understood, and you hear all kinds of distortions. You hear the opposite distortion. Siksha Guru is more important than the Diksha Guru. Therefore, you don't need a Diksha Guru because Prabhupada's your Siksha Guru. There's another opposite kind of distortion. Hmm? One is that Diksha Guru is and Prabhupada's more important. You don't need a Siksha Guru. That's, uh, you're weak if you need that. You, know, you don't have faith in Prabhupada. The other is you don't need a Diksha Guru because you don't need a present Guru because Prabhupada is still here in his Siksha, in his books. And the siksha is more important than the diksha. It's another distortion, but, but it's very clear in Kaviraj Goswami's writing uh, and the Anubhash of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi the commentary of Bhakti Vinod and that of our Prabhupada, which who followed those two commentaries, that the siksha guru and the diksha guru are equally equal manifestations of the absolute, although their functions are are different. Hmm? And you can't you can't. I mean, what's more important, the seed? Or the watering of the seed. I mean, you know, there's no answer. You know, the answer is neither one, right, or both. Hmm? Both are more important. You got to have both. Hmm? And um, and yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so a few words, at any rate, about the, the Guru Tattva and this with regard to the disappearance and how this principle of the Siksha Guru comes um, into uh, uh, play, so to speak. It could happen also prior to the disappearance or just in circumstances where, for example, the Guru and the disciple are separated by by time. And uh, this did occur in Prabhupada's presence, when, it, when I think I mentioned it the other day, when the Chutananda... Marsh was in India, and he, the Prophet was in America, and he was there for an extended period of time, and he was feeling the need, which was a good sign, and he was wise enough at that time, this was like in, a, I don't know, maybe 1969 or something like that, that uh, to say, I'm in need of a Siksha Guru. Um, he was uh, uh, living in India, he was a little more acquainted with with some of the finer 
points of the philosophy, perhaps. And and so Prabhupada suggested that if you need a Siksha Guru, go to my god brother Biyashita Marjav Navadweep. What to speak of how he can help you, uh, I consider him my Siksha Guru. So you'll be safe there, I know that. So he did go there and he spent about, I don't know, several months or a year there. Hmm. And he was a different person uh, for it. And it was a was a very good influence that uh, was obvious in his, in his personality. Um, so, Prabhupada also taught it, but it you know it really uh, comes to the fore at the time of his disappearance. And you see, the misunderstanding of it has just wreaked havoc. So, however many anecdotes you want to you know bring up, as charming and endearing as they are, and they are because he's a very charming, uh, endearing, magical uh, person. Prabhupada. Um, all of my personal encounters with him were were um, very uh, e- extraordinary, and um, they weren't uh, many, but there were some. Mm-hmm. Um, he was always very kind to me, and uh, he sometimes often spoke to me out of the out of the crowd, which was which was uh, surprising. To some also, <laughs> often on walks, he would ask me questions. Well, what is uh, if I was there? What are they saying? He wanted to know what the people were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a number of times, he he showed me I may be old, but I'm quite a few steps ahead of you. <laughs> I remember once and once, yeah, this kind of those kind of magical things come to mind when he was he was going in the elevator in New York skyscraper, as he called it, to go up the 11th floor where he had a room for him. And he, he got in the elevator and I had a, a flower and I was thinking of throwing it, you know, giving it to Prabhupada and then it was, was people had jumped in the elevator, there was no room for me to get in. So I was thinking, should I throw it to Prabhupada? You know, you know how thoughts can go fast. Will he catch it? What if it hits him in the head? You know, <laughs> what will I do? And anyway, I threw it and Prabhupada caught it, threw it back to me before the doors closed. <laughs> <laughs> on the elevator. <laughs> One time when he arrived in, in Chicago at the airport, in Chicago airport, we used to distribute a lot of books there. And um, and it wasn't always a, a friendly environment. Often it was quite hostile. People, uh, Some of the employees didn't like the fact that we were so successful in selling the books. And, and so they would often harass us. So Prabhupada was coming in, and we greeted him, and there I was, uh, dressed. And usually I would go camouflage to the airport, but I was dressed for Prabhupada's arrival in my sannyas, vesh, sannyas dress. And Prabhupada came, and we were walking with Prabhupada, and I'm thinking, there's a lot of demons in this airport here. You know, they attack us. They might attack Prabhupada. I'm going to protect them, you know. I'm walking with my staff, you know, the next to Prabhupada, and we're coming towards the door, where you'd go outside to get in the car, you know, and um, and so that it starts to funnel down, and I'm thinking, you know, how am I gonna, you know, what should I do here, you know, should I, like, hop on the escalator thing and step on it and open the door, you know, thoughts are going through your mind, like, what do I do? And probably just went whoosh, like this, whoosh, like this, and I just found myself at the back of the crowd, you know, and probably was in the car and gone. It's like I don't need your protection, but thanks. <laughs> Appreciate the thought, but I'm already protected. You know. It's like very, <laughs> very powerful uh, 
when we took Prabhupada to leave from Chicago, hmm, and we, uh, 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 he was uh, walking past these, these lockers downstairs. And we used to keep books in the lockers. We had hundreds and hundreds of books that we would stock in the lockers so that when we went out on book distribution and where we would distribute as many as we could carry, then we would go down to the locker and fill it up. So one devotee had a service of taking a van full of books and purchasing locker space with keys and filling them up. So we're walking along with Prabhupada and just suddenly stops in front of the lockers and says, what is that? What's going on there in those lockers? Hmm. <laughs> and they were filled with Prabhupada's books. He said, Prabhupada, all your books are in there. He said, oh, that's what it is. Because everything is, you know, drawing his... Uh, attention. Hmm. Yeah, that's some book distribution type stories. Right? Hmm. It was kind of me, a story I've told many times that when I he first uh, um, came to the Los Angeles after book distribution at the airport had started, myself and Leela Shakti uh, more or less started, and we used to go out in secular clothes, and it was illegal, so we would carry books in a suitcase and skirt around here and sit down with somebody, have a conversation, and try to sell them a book. And um, and uh, we got started to get pre- pretty good at that. Um, and um, Fridays were the busiest days, and problems coming in on a Friday afternoon. So I was faced with this dilemma because I was distributing books at the airport, and I didn't want to approach Prabhupada dressed in secular clothing. He had been told earlier that devotees were again becoming hippies, and wearing uh, ordinary clothes. And so he wrote to us in Los Angeles, said, this must be stopped immediately. Hmm? Again, you're becoming hippies. It was, it was Kirtanan Swami that wrote him this. I mean, he wasn't even there. So anyway, uh, so then we got together, and we wrote back to Prabhupada, and the Kurandar signed the letter and said, that's not exactly what's happened. We don't like to wear these clothes, but we're doing it because... You know, the situation is that we can't go to the airport dressed like this, and if we go to the airport, there's a possibility of sending your books from one spot all over the world. So then Prabhupada wrote back and said, yeah, that's another thing. And then he wrote about it in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and he wrote about it in his Bhagavatam commentary, giving examples of how Vaishnavas sometimes disguise themselves for the purpose of spreading Krishna consciousness. Hmm? How Pratapurudramarsha's... Uh, disguised himself and took off his king, his royal vase, his royal dress under the direction of Sarvabhama and dressed like a Vaishnava to get the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu during the Rathiyatra when Mahaprabhu would fall into a trance and so forth. That was one of his examples. The other is Narada Muni somehow secretly coming and administering to Prahlad when he was in the womb. I don't, I don't know how he got that he was disguised, but anyway, he used that example. So we were, you know, vindicated by that and uh, empowered but still I knew and tell it to whomever you like but Christian probably actually preferred that dress there's no question about that anybody who thinks otherwise it just wasn't there hmm. it wasn't there but wasn't paying attention it doesn't mean you couldn't dress another dress and be a Vaishnava and so forth and Prabhupada obviously acknowledged that it's not what you wear and so forth but his own thinking was it's not necessary, but it's favorable. Hmm? Um, I, myself, was in a, recently in a discussion about this on the Harmonist with some devotees who were saying, you know, Krishna consciousness will only spread if you 
you know, start wearing secular clothes. And I was, I don't know, of a different opinion. But at any rate, um, the last point that I made, I cited a verse from Chaitanya Bhagavat of Vrindabandas envisioning Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and describing him dressed with a white dhoti folded in three folds. I forget the name for that, but Trikacha dhoti. Uh, and he was just meditating on that. And he, obviously he was wearing that himself and thinking, you know, if only I had been there because he had just missed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leela. So this was his meditation. This is our meditation. Enter into that that leela to be present in there. And I was thinking, you know, darn it, I don't get to wear a white dhoti and fold it in three places like that. Hmm? Really unfortunate that, uh, you know, this is so favorable. Hmm? Um, and I've, as a result, I've got a new policy. I'll announce it to you that all, if anyone is a brahmacharya on a mission, they, they get to wear white and get fold their dhoti in three places. So if they have the saffron, I'm going to make them change and uh, and I'll be the only one, me and Maharaj, stuck like this, following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's sannyas leela. We're locked, waylaid somewhere in Jagannath Puri. <laughs> of course, it's it's meditatively, it's back there, taking us back to Navadvip. But at any rate, I didn't want to be in my secular dress, which I was in, to sell books on Friday afternoon when Prabhu was arriving. So I had this plan, I rushed to the airport and changed my dress and so forth and greeted Prabhupada. And I was fortunate to get like that, that he had this very powerful glance that Baladeva Vidyabhushan talks about. Some devotees have the power to bestow a blessing just by his glance. The most powerful thing in Prabhupada's physique was his vision. Hmm? He was a very small person. He must have been like five, six or something like that or five, four or something like that. He's very small. Um, but you'd never know he was small if he looked at you. Goodness. Um, I remember once, just to go, uh, before I continue this other story, another anecdote, I got to go with Prabhupada to Panihati in Navadvipa. This was in 1977, I think. And before he, he was just beginning to be, become ill. So Mayapur, he was invited to Panihati. Um, and um, so we drove there. It was quite a bumpy ride. And, and uh, they were going to give some land to Prabhupada. It was it was the idea, so there was a feast and kirtan and so forth. And then Prabhupada got up to walk, and I was behind Prabhupada, and he collapsed right in front of me. And I was able to grab him underneath his arms and hold him up. And he was so small, and I'm only five eight, you know, hundred and fifty pounds, five eight. You know, he was so small, but he was so big, you know, at the same time. I mean, you never think that he was small if you looked at him. And if what to speak if he looked at you, and his head was always kind of like, you know, looking very dignified, very kind of slightly upward uh, into the into the into the sky, so to speak, very held head held high for for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, at any rate, I got his benediction glass when he was coming in the airport, and then I had this dilemma because everyone was rushing to the cars to go back to the temple with Prabhupada and greet him there again, more formally, you know. And those days, you, you, we used to bring a kirtan to the airport, and and uh, it was a real scene. That's not possible now. But I thought, well, I could go with the Prabhupada, or I could stay here and sell the books. This is an important day to sell the books, because we could sell more on Friday afternoon. So uh, 
I'll serve here. And of course, as I was selling the books, with each book I was feeling Prabhupada's presence that much more. And then when I came home, driving down 405, I think it is, to La Cienica Boulevard, and there's all the long strip from the 405 to Culver City, Venice, Venice Boulevard. Is it Venice? Yeah, Venice. Yeah, Venice. And um, all the lights went green, 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 you know, all those. I was noticing it. They're all green. Everything's like, I had a favorable wind all the way. I felt like I was in a chariot, you know, riding to the, the Baikuntha, Maha Baikuntha Golok Temple. And when I arrived, then several devotees surrounded me and said, Oh, Prophet's been talking about you this afternoon, about your service and so forth. So I thought I had this beautiful uh, kind of like flash that I had made the right decision and Prophet was almost more with me, you know, in the service there, in the spirit of service, than he would have been in the physical uh, presence. Something about the separation there and the union that is fostered within that. Um, in connection with disappearance, of course, which is a time of uh, separation. So, at any rate, there's more anecdotes I probably could come up with, quite a few, but this is a few to um, uh, round out the talk about Guru uh, Tattva, which I think is important on a day like this. Yes, question. We see this extraordinary feature of Prabhupada that his, most all of his disciples had this extraordinary faith in him. And, and um, you had mentioned that B.R. Sridhar Maharaj had noted that as well. Do, do you feel that that was um, something about him personally and how he related to us and how he was, or was just a feature of his uh, extraordinary empowerment? I think it's a combination of things. I think it's uh, certainly very much about him, but it's also about the time and the circumstance, the newness, um, you know, hippies finding a guru, um, you know, and, and how they would, how they reacted to it, compared to, for example, a culture where gurus are everywhere. Hmm. In India, your mother's a guru, your father's a guru. Mm-hmm. There's this kind of guru, that kind of guru, um, and um, oftentimes people even have the opportunity to take up the occupation of being a brahmachari. If nothing else works, I'll try that, you know. And it's not the same like conversion mm-hmm, that we find um, in the case of young people from the West with a wave of influence from the East and new teachings and then connecting with Prabhupada. That is is part of the, I think, the um, um, what you're talking about, the kind of enthusiasm they had. And then also, um, he had um, a very uh, kind of, he was very much concerned with he had big ideas for disseminating Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings, and um, by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's grace, through him they were gaining gaining ground. You know, they were, they, they looked like they were possible. I mean, it's said that the statement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu 
uh, related in, uh, I think it's Chaitanya Bhagavatam, but my name will be heard in every town and village, was thought to be some kind of a metaphor or something, but, but Prabhupada gave it, gave it life, brought it to, made it tangible in many, res- many respects by taking the holy name of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna around the world and Krishna Kirtan. So it was quite kind of a fulfilling of the prophecy, if you will. So there was something like that that was happening that was, you know, added, I mean, it has to do with Prabhupada's person, but uh, excitement to the matter. You know, one thing if you're sitting in India and you're teaching about it and people come and you, you teach them about it and it's what it is and it's not entirely different from what you've heard your whole life, maybe even born as a Vaishnava and so forth. So, you know, you have this this kind of explosion, you know, as a catalyst of like uh, the new thing and, and how and how do you relate to the group. So in India there's many ways in which people, it's been around for a long time, so how you relate and what and how you think. And that also fosters the kind of fanaticism. You see, so enthusiasm also has, is is good and it was uh, notable, uh, and Sridhar Marjorie made that remark, it was quite extraordinary, but, you know, to put it all on Prabhupada's power and so forth, then doesn't speak to how that enthusiasm in some cases turned into fanaticism. We're not going to blame Prabhupada for that. So that's coming from the other side, right? From the lack of understanding of how to um, relate to the guru, for example. And so, if you take it very fanatically, then it can look like a lot of enthusiasm. And it, it is, but it may be, may be false in the sense that it may not correspond with the teaching. So there's a lot of ways to, you know, to, to think about it. But I don't want to take anything, obviously, away from, from Prabhupada. He, he, he was very, um, um, I think he was, he was quite close with the early disciples when the movement was small. And, um, and they created, you know, together kind of a family, kind of a, um, feeling and and whatnot and uh, their you know initial enthusiasm was handed down and in an extended way it was quite a close knit little uh, little group against the world <laughs> so to speak you know um, so we 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 bonded and held hands around uh, uh, Prabhupada and uh, so it was you know it was, it was something to do with the, the circumstances. Well, I mean, on the other hand, just to give some support to that explanation, Prabhupada was trying to preach in India, and he wasn't finding the same kind of response. And uh, he was disappointed in his countrymen that they weren't responding to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. That said, now some some other emissaries from. Gaudiyamat, the institution of Bhakti Siddhanta, Chaitanya Mahat, were sent to Europe before Prabhupada and they didn't get the kind of results that Prabhupada got. But Sridhar Maharaj also reasoned about them that, that some of them tried to preach to intellectuals and Prabhupada didn't try to do that. He just made himself available to the common people and he sat in Tompkins Square Park and, and um, of course it just so happened that you know the hippies were a little bit intellectual and they were kind of revolting in, in a sense and questioning authority and and, and, and so they had that um, side to them but we weren't 
least I wasn't an intellectual by any stretch of the imagination. Um, uh, so Prabhupada didn't come in and get, you know, big meat. He, he met, you know, some rock stars and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, Allen Ginsberg and whatnot. But, you know, he wasn't talking to senators or uh, heads of the... Uh, Freemasons or something like that, you know, like Bon Marge in England was having those kind of meetings, you know, with parishioners, par- parish bishops and, you know, this kind of thing. And Vichari was a very dignified person, had to be seen and respected in a certain way. And he carried that kind of persona to England. And so he got some meetings with some dignified people, but, you know, they're more like fortified in their positions. And it was interesting intellectual, the Prabhupada was, you know, by force of circumstances, he was, he was practically, he was an Acharya, he should have been respected as good as God, as we say, but he was living on the streets in the Bowery, because, you know, there was nowhere, there was no um, um, room reserved <laughs> for him there, and um, and there he met, you know, the, uh, the people who were also, by choice, <laughs> living on the streets, to some extent, and uh, so he um, he was ready to talk to anybody. In fact, he said, "I was ready to preach to the walls." I was going there, so he, he didn't put any restrictions on where we would go. We, if anybody, I mean, he talked to some crazy people. He was he had roommates who were who were one one tried to kill him, I think, in the night with a, with a butcher knife or something like that, stoned on LSD that he was living with. So he, you know, he. He he didn't say I can't stay here, you know, because it's like this. He just stayed, and that was the order, and and uh, so he made himself. Ex- and then there's just, there was something about that, you know, that he cooked for the devotees. In the beginning, he did laundry, you know, for them. He showed them. He was very much a fatherly figure for everybody in the beginning, and then extended over, I think, to those who came a little later on didn't have that closer association with him. Um, and so that's you know also part of us, you know, how we, our needs, if you will. So it's a combination of factors, yeah. When you were talking about Prabhupada in the Bowery, I just remembered this one uh, recently, our our, our god sister Radha Kun was relaying um, the statement Prabhupada made when he was speaking with a group of devotees in in Bombay, and he was explaining how much difficulty he went through to bring Krishna consciousness west, and the devotees were feeling it, and then Prabhupada said, or somebody made an appreciative statement. I don't remember exactly, but, but Prabhupada said, I didn't look right. I or left. left. Yeah. I just went straight through hellfire to come get you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Said so he didn't know whether to turn right or left when he got off the boat in Boston. <laughs> he turned left and went to New York. <laughs> yeah, so he was... Um, very endearing and charming personality. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Tirubhav Mahamutsvesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai. Shri Shri Gaurada Madhava ki jai. Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhaktivedanta ki jai. Gaur Premanandi.